Let's uh, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old one is gone, the new one is here. Second Corinthians five seventeen. That was that was Sarah Cook. Thank you, Sarah. Hello. There we go. Is this what it's come to? I'm old enough now that they got to carry a podium over here for me. I guess I guess that's the case. Let me uh, let me do this. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Morning, church. I want to say hello to all the folks that are live streaming right now. Just in case there's anyone watching from South Texas. We're kindred spirits, my friend. It's nice to have you with us this morning and, and all the rest as well. As we saw in the announcements, Lisa shared that this coming Saturday is our marriage refresh out at Camp Chiyoka. So Al asked me this morning to, oh, look at there, to preach about building a lasting legacy of love. And so uh, I'll tell you, whenever, I guess I was, I was 18 years old, the fall of 1976, and I moved to Lubbock, Texas from Uvalde and started going to school there. And all I was actually was I was obsessed with baseball because I was there to play baseball. And then I, and then I saw a little gal. And I was in the cafeteria. I saw her up in front of me in the lunch line. First time I'd ever laid eyes on her. I saw her and I tapped the guy next to me and I said, hey, hey see that guy right there? I, y'all, I still remember what she was wearing. I said, see that guy right there? And he says, yeah. I said, I'm going to marry that girl. And lo and behold, who'd have thunk it, but uh, two years later, or a year and a half, yeah, two years later, we did get married. Guys, go ahead and and show that. uh, Ain't that something? Woo! Boy, and we were, I mean, we were like most everybody else. You get married, you've got all these high hopes. Look, we, go, go to the next one. This is when we're getting ready to leave after the reception. I got a big smile on my face. We're, we're ready to go. And, and then we get to the car. I won't tell you about the car. Because that look I've got on my face was the shock at what I saw on the car. That, that's for another time, another place. But there we were, ready to go, starting this amazing new life together as husband and wife. But you know what? That journey as husband and wife is not always, it's not always a pleasant journey. Watch, watch this video. So all I can say is that we were a hot mess. Um, I was broken, devastated. Betrayed. Uh, my whole world was over. I thought my marriage was over. Uh, I thought my relationship uh, with Lisa and even possibly my children uh, was over. My ministry was certainly over. Uh, I had basically nothing left for anybody. I was a broken, desperate, and hopeless man. 
Whenever you have lived a life like I had been living, and you finally admit to what you were doing, and you look in that mirror, and you see the person that you've become, and it's not where you started at, it's just who you've become over the course of several years of Satan just inflicting pain upon pain and then, you know, just always telling you that you're not enough, you're, you're not good enough. Um, whenever you look in the mirror and finally see that, um, it's devastating. And that's where I was. I was totally devastated to see who I was. Um, I went out in the backyard because, you know, I just, I couldn't even look at myself. And I laid down on the ground. And I said, God, I don't know if you're there. I don't know if you hear me. I don't even know if I believe in you. But if you're there, would you please, God, please come and rescue me. So out of brokenness, me full of despair, Lisa empty and never knowing if we were going to ever be able to work out our marriage and be together. Basically, our dream of having you know a great and dynamic marriage and something that could teach other people and be impressive and help people was was over as far as we knew. But it wasn't over. Um, people walked alongside us. People listened to us. Finally, somewhere in there stirred a heart that says, you know what? God forgave me. I can forgive this woman. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. Can she change and be the person I've always dreamed that she would be? And she did uh, because of God's grace. And so I had a capacity to forgive, which has opened up my capacity to love. And it changed us. Through um, affairs, lying, cheating, stealing, all of those things, whenever I was laying in that backyard... That's what I looked like. That's who I was. And when I cried out to God to ask for rescue, he didn't wait for me to get cleaned up. He didn't wait for me to get everything straightened out. He came right then at that moment, and he rescued me. And I knew that with God on my side, and to finally have a relationship, that I could make it. I was surrounded by women, so many great friends out there who took me under their wing. We studied, we prayed, we cried, and I was baptized because at that point I was so dirty. I needed God's cleanse on my life in order to become the woman that I knew that he wanted me to be and the woman that Alan deserved for me to be, and the wife, and the mom, and the sister, and the aunt, all of those things. I knew that God had a purpose, but I just, I couldn't quite see it. But through so much counseling, so many people, one-on-one, in a group, everything, so much of that, Christ changed me. And I'm telling you, when I look at myself then, I can't remember who I was. It was so dark and so ugly. But now, now Christ has entered my life and just totally changed me. 
And that's what he can do for you. That's what he can do in your marriage. That's what he can do in your life. Christ is the answer. So out of a burned down marriage, uh, out of those ashes, has created God's Phoenix to help other people. So for 20 years, we've been telling the story of what God did in our lives that you can build and rebuild of love. And so we're very appreciative of all those that have walked alongside us. We now have an opportunity to speak all over the country on behalf of the Almighty and forgiveness and brokenness. And what a blessing that is. And we're redeemed today as a couple. And not only was our lives changed, but our children's lives were changed. Our families' lives were changed. So Christ is the answer for that changed life. The old is gone, the new has come. Praise God for what He's done in the lives of Alan and Lisa. And to tell you the truth, Beverly and I, we've been married. June will be married 42 years. And uh, thank you. But honestly, the stage was set for a, for a marriage that really could be as, just as bad as it could possibly be. And that's because what, where I grew up and the home that I lived in, which I thought was the greatest family ever, uh, mom and dad, an older brother, two older sisters, and uh, my pattern, my example, my instructor for how a husband was to be was my father, of course, in that scenario. And I loved my dad. My dad was my idol. He was my hero. Everything about him. I wanted to be just like him. So many times, I couldn't tell you how many times people would come up to me and say, when I was this big, oh, you look just like your dad. And I was so proud. My dad, actually, in our family, uh, I describe him as little G God in our home. And capital T tyrant over my mom. And I look back and I think about the way my dad talked to my mom and the way my dad treated my mom. How my dad would not allow my mother to speak. And how he would talk down to her. He would embarrass her. He would talk about how stupid she was. And I... That's my training ground. I remember nights when I was a kid, probably 10, 11 years old, and we lived out in the country, but my aunt and uncle lived right next to us. And nearly every night, my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle, that would be my dad's brother and his wife, they played cards together. We lived in a little trailer house out in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm trying to go to sleep because I got school the next day. And they're in there playing cards. And it never failed. In the process of a card game, somehow or other, they would always end up discussing Ephesians chapter 5. Now, I don't have that on the screen. But I don't need much of it because they, they honed in on wives are to be in subjection to their husbands in everything as to the Lord. They hammered it home. In everything, if he so chose that way. And I heard it over and over and over. By the way, a horrific interpretation of that passage. That's for another time as well. 
But this is what I learned from. And then as I got as I got a little older, I find out that my dad was having an affair with a woman from a family that were old family friends of ours. And and he, he started bragging about it to me. Telling me about it. Playing tape recordings of their conversations. And look, y'all, here's the thing. I was so brainwashed by my father. I was okay. I was okay with it. How, how was that possible? I used to sit at nights listening to my mother weep on the phone, talking to my dad who was with another woman, begging him just to tell her that he loved her. Over and over again. He wouldn't do it. And then he began to flaunt that affair in front of my mom, of all things. And I'm just going along like normal. I graduate from high school. Go to college. Told you that part. Beverly and I get married. And I'm, I'm telling you, it wasn't to the extreme of my father. But let me tell you, folks, how could I not take a lot of stuff with me? Bo- oh, before we got married, just dating. And we, uh, we went over to some folks' house one night after church. There's a big gathering, large house, a lot of people, a lot of food. And I'm standing in one room talking to two or three guys about who knows what. And I look up, and here comes Beverly with a plate of food. She's walking in. I went, oh, I'm thinking, oh, good, I was starving. And she walks over to me, and I reached out to take a plate of food, and she goes, what? And I I said, I said, my food. And she goes, it's in the other room. I mean, I'm in a quandary. I've never filled a plate of food in my life. I've got a mom and two older sisters who, by the way, were trained as well. And they waited on me and my dad and my brother hand and foot. Uh, 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 I don't know what to do. Well, I did get food. I got some food. But that mentality, you see, carried over. And so we get married. and, And I tell you, my wife, she's something special. Because I'd tell you for at least the first ten years, she put up with me. And although, again, like I said, not to the extremes of my father, but let me tell you what, I did what I wanted, when I wanted, whenever. We used to, we vacation in the summers, and we'd go to Colorado, up in the mountains, because I was going trout fishing. That's what I grew up doing, every summer. That's what you do for vacation. So we go to Colorado. I leave early in the morning. I'm gone all day, get back that night, and she's there in the cabin. This is a little bitty town. And we did it year after year after year. We had our kids, three girls. Thank you, Lord. Take them with us. Now she's stuck at the cabin with them all day. But that's just the way I do it, because that's the way it's done. Now, ten years in, ten to twelve, I can't remember exactly. There's a couple of things that changed things for us. And one of them I've shared with, with some of you, but not all, I'm sure. 
we, uh, we were at my sister's house in Arlington, and my sister called me to the side and said, we need to talk about something. Our girls were growing. And that's when she revealed to me that my father had sexually molested them when they were young. And I'm telling you, my world crashed in on me. And all I knew was this. I did not want to be like my dad anymore. And I hate that it took something that horrific for God to use to open my eyes. He can take bad things and bring something good out of them, y'all. That's what he does for us. So in that process, what it told me was, I do not want to be like my dad anymore. I knew something was different. And I began to see things differently. And all of a sudden, all that garbage from when I was a kid growing up made me sick to my stomach. The way he treated my mom. So you know what I started doing? I started calling him on it right then. We'd be visiting with him. He'd speak harshly to mom. And, and I'd just tell him, hey, don't you talk to my mother that way. You stop that. I wasn't putting up with it anymore. All the stuff I let go, not doing it anymore. And I knew something had to be different. But I didn't know exactly what that was because I'd never seen it. I didn't know what it looked like for a husband to behave like he should. So there was another event that came along that, that <laughs> it just completely overpowered me and changed my outlook. I'm going to tell you what it was in a minute. But first I want to tell you what it did for me. It helped me to understand three things. First thing that we're going to have to do, if we're going to build a lasting legacy of love in our families, okay? First thing we have to do, go ahead guys, go to the first one. We're going to, can you read that? Yeah, sure. You have to, we're going to have to die. Totally die. To ourselves. By the way, does that sound a little familiar as to what the Lord Himself calls us to? By the way, these paraphrases up there, we couldn't fit it all on the board, so just bear, bear with me on that. Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must take up his cross daily, Luke's account says. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you know what that means? Think about that time frame when Jesus said that. If they saw somebody carrying a cross, what was about to happen? Somebody's about to die. They're about to die. This is not talking about the burdens that we bear in life. This is talking about carrying our cross, dying, and he says daily to ourself. Now think about this. As we do that, okay, we, we at least understand that somewhat as we, as we talk about us and Jesus. But what about everybody else? Does that mean we die completely to Him, but we can treat other people however we want? Y'all, dying to self goes across the board, everybody. If I die to myself, I die to myself with everyone. It's not easy, but that's what He calls us to. Die totally. Take up our cross daily. Then we can follow Him. And then we can be the people we're to be with others. Including our family. Hmm. Secondly, 
We're called to love fully. Now, love's an interesting word. I get it. But what, what, what do I mean by love fully? Well, why not go to the greatest commandment when Jesus is asked? And we're all familiar with that passage. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Powerful, powerful words. No doubt about it. But I, I want to ask you something. What does he mean when he says, and the second is like it? Well, how is it like it? It says to love. Same word, same agape that he just described as our love to him. Think about it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything about you and me. And then he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not different. It's the same. I get it that God is the priority. He's numero uno. But the love that we get. It's everything. It's all of us. That's not just to him. That's to our neighbor as well. And by the way, who's more neighborly than your family? Love fully means everything. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Third. Serve completely. Woo. There's a challenge. Uh, let's be honest. Right? Most people like to be served more than to serve. It's a challenge. No doubt. But by the way, if we get the first one right, the next two are easy. If we get die totally right, to love and to serve are easy. They just happen automatically. I had a thought. Throw this out for thought. <laughs> Jesus says that the greatest among you will be your servant. So the, the epitome of humankind, we are at our best, at our greatest, when we serve. Would we agree with that? So it makes me wonder, in the garden, when, when God had created everything and he, then he creates man... And man was alone. He did, and he's going to make him a helpmate, suitable, right? Maybe God made Eve for Adam so that they could both be their greatest because now they'd have someone to serve. Not someone to serve me, but someone for me to serve. Why? That's when we're our greatest. A helpmate. We're in this together. We help each other and we, we become our greatest. I don't know. It just may make sense. Serve completely. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing because John 13, John 13 encapsulizes, oh, I love that, all three. You know John 13. When Jesus was, uh, it was the night before his death. And I love this. 
It's just verse 1. We're just going to read a couple. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Well, now that had to be kind of a good feeling. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He now showed them the full extent of his love. And what did he do? He washed their feet. You talk about dying to self, loving fully and serving completely. The creator of the universe got down on the floor and washed the feet of his disciples, showing them his love. He says it, the full extent of his love and serving them completely. And there's our example, y'all. Now, the event that, that... clarified so much of this for me as such a contrast to what I had been taught growing up. I give credit to God through my amazingly good friend Dennis Davenport. Because Dennis talked to me about, I don't know how many years ago this was, Dennis. Yeah, a lot. He talked to me about going with him and a group of men to Arlington, Arlington, Texas. <laughs> To a promise keepers gathering. They were going to meet in, in Arlington Stadium. The old one. You know with the big hole in the roof. So that God could watch his favorite team. Well that's why they built a new one with no hole I guess. <laughs> so Dennis talked to me about going and I, I said let's do it. Several. Several of us went in that group. And we get there and the, and the whole weekend was incredibly powerful. You gotta understand, we're in, we're in this stadium and there's like 70,000 men. Wow, that was kind of weird. But that's what it was for, challenging men to, to be men of God in their families. And down on the field area, they'd have a big platform built with backdrops and people would come out. We'd have worship, praise and worship, and then people would speak. And it was amazing. It was, it was incredible. And I'll, but I will never forget. And this is, this is what happened for me. Toward the end of the event, this guy comes out, going to deliver his message. And the name, the title of his message was, Outserving Your Wife. And I thought, that's interesting. I haven't really ever thought like that before. And he he presents. And he talks about John 13. And I'm, I'm becoming overwhelmed with what we're really, really called to. And then, I'm already overwhelmed. And then he says, okay, he goes, I'm going to do something that's unprecedented at a promise keeper's gathering. I've asked my wife to come out here with me. And it was really weird because here she comes, well, I mean, she was fine. I mean, she comes walking out and it's like this massive amount of men and this one woman walks out on the stage. 
And you could tell from their encounter, she doesn't know exactly what's going on. But she's agreed to be there. She comes out. He, he, he kind of hugs her and he leads her over to a chair and just sits her down. It's silent. Then he walks around behind a partition and he comes out with a basin of water and a towel. And he goes over and he sits on the floor at her feet. She began to weep. And he took off her shoes and her socks. Rolled up her pants legs. And he picked up her feet and sat them in the water. And he very painstakingly, very gently and slowly began to wash her feet. She continued to cry. She began to caress his head as he did it. Spent several minutes washing her feet. Took her feet out, dried her feet off, put back on her shoes and her socks. She stood and they embraced for several minutes. And then he led her off the stage. It is silent in this stadium. And then he steps up and says, Okay, I want all the husbands in the crowd to stand. And we did. And there's tens of thousands. And he said, now I want you to hold your hands out in front of you like this. And I want you to put in your hands whatever it is that's keeping you from outserving your wife. And I, I've got file after file in my brain that has been programmed into me years worth. And I'm just pouring them into my hands. And then he says, okay, now that we've got the garbage right there in our hands, he said, I'm going to count to three. And we're all at the same time going to let it go right through the hole in the roof. One, two, three. And on three, we all go like this. And Dennis, there was this whoosh sound. Am I right? And I was changed forever because it all of a sudden, it became clear. It was a simple process, outserve your wife. But all of a sudden, I realized it was the antithesis of what I had been taught, of what I had been trained in. And I got it. It clicked like that. And all that junk went out the roof. Praise God. And things really, really began to change. There was one other thing. It was dynamic marriage. When we facilitated that together, it just got better and better. Y'all, let me tell you, I don't care where your marriage is right now, it can be better. Don't ever think you can't grow. It, It might be fantastic. That's fantastic. But don't think you can't grow. And things like Marriage Refresh can help us. In that process. So, let me, let me wrap it up with this. I think the biggest hurdle we have to arrive at that, dying totally, loving, fully, serving completely, I think the biggest hurdle is that first one, die 
die to self. And here's what it makes me wonder. If you or I have trouble getting rid of ourselves, holding on to our selfishness in our relationships on this earth, maybe the problem is we haven't actually died to the Lord and given ourselves up. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you hear our, our scripture? He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That, that person, dead and gone. Go read Romans 6. That's what it's about. Dead and gone. So maybe the problem is, if you're struggling with it, maybe the problem is you haven't really given yourself up to the Lord. Take up your cross daily before Him. Now the good news is you can do that. You can do that. Give your life up. Die to self. Be buried in water. The old man, dead and gone, rising up to walk in newness of life. And then, I'm telling you, we get that on straight. Loving and serving. It's just natural. But that's the big step. And if that's something that you've never committed to, you need to think about that this morning. And by the way, if you're not married, if you're single... Praise God for you. He can do great things through you. Uh, Here's the thing. You love fully those around you. Right? Oh, Die to to self. Love love fully and serve completely to whomever you come in contact with. And the message of the gospel goes out. So wherever you are, if you need Him in that way today, we offer an invitation to you that you come... And you give your life up for Him and see the great things He'll do in the aftermath. If you need that, why don't you come right now while we stand up and sing.